Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the Cabrigal clan of the Darug Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land we are meeting on today. We also pay our respects to the elders past, present and future of the Darug Nation. Hey friends, welcome to our podcast, A Seat at Our Table. Candid conversations about our Asian Australian experiences in the creative industry. I'm Tracy. I'm Wendy. We We saved saved you a seat. seat. Come Come join join us. Hi friends, welcome back to the pod, episode two of season two. Season two, I hope you guys are enjoying our season so far. Today we're talking about what we're framing as like Asian idols, but essentially we're talking about Asian representation in media. And I want to just preface that in a lot of what we're talking about today, a lot of it is focused on like Asian American representation, mainly because the Asian Australian landscape itself, I feel like is still taking off or there's been like less news or articles about it. So, um, and a lot of what we've consumed growing up has been Asian American media, but we're going to be like comparing both as much as we can. I think kind of planning for this episode is kind of like realizing, oh, we have been really heavily influenced by the Asian American culture and the Australian Wait, sorry, the Asian-Australian identity isn't as strong. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. And it's nice to kind of see more things happening up in our local space. You know, yeah. the podcast space is growing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's start from the very beginning. So, as children or as young adults, Tracy, what kind of Asian representation in the media were you exposed to? I think of this fondly because <laughs> YouTube back in the OG days, yeah. what a time, guys. <laughs> if you guys were our age when YouTube first started, basically, right? When like the page was completely different and the homepage looked different where they had like the list of trendings or whatever. I can't remember, I can't even it remember what like, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, it was really old. But I think I think back of the OG Asian YouTubers. So community channel, Natran. The OG, the queen herself, yeah. like seriously, the best. Um, obviously, Wong Fu Production, who's very active still today, they played a big role in my upbringing, I yeah, want to say. mine too. Yeah. Um, who else? Nigahiga. Yeah. I didn't watch him that much, but I did like hear his name being thrown around, so yeah. Ryan Higa. Yeah. I thought about um, Kev Jumba. Oh, yeah. Kev yeah. Jumba, classic. Yeah. yeah. And I actually recently saw... Um, his face pop up on I think Facebook. He changed yeah. his Facebook DP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, his head is like blonde. Oh, no? he's bald. Bold? Is, is he bald or blonde? It looked like he was blonde. I'm sorry, Kevin. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, yeah, yeah. But I was just like, wow. Like I just from that, I was reminiscing about seeing videos of him and his dad. Oh, I and love I could just videos. hear his voice and his yeah. dad's voice. It was crazy. Yeah. Some other ones that I watched was Anna Kana. Like I didn't watch her actually. A bit here and there, yeah. like she popped up as well. Um, my Chony, obviously. Oh yes, my Chony. Yeah, just kidding. Films too. Yep. Happy Slip. I loved Happy Slip. I think I actually consumed more um like TV show type of media. So you know, like TV B dramas. Oh yep, TV B dramas. Yes, there was that like cop one that I used to watch all the time. Forensic Heroes. Yes. Yes, yes. One was- and two, three. One, yeah. two, three. <laughs> yeah. That was so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like, if you think about Disney Channel, so, like, 
Life of Zack and Cody, like Brenda Song. <laughs> like she was the only one who was an Asian on that. Yeah. But also I loved Korean dramas. Yes. I watched so many. Yes, yes. Taiwanese yeah. dramas as well. Um, Smiting Pasta. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pasta. Oh, my yeah. God. Wow. Really throwing back. Yeah. But also, like, it doesn't – we don't limit this to – or it's not limited to, like, real-life people. I think cartoons as well. Actually, yeah. Ca- there's For me, when I think about Asian representation in media back in the day, cartoons come up so much more. I guess it kind of makes sense because, like, anime and stuff like that. Yeah. Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah. I feel like Avatar was huge. Yeah. Yeah. But anime itself, like, I feel like there's a differentiation between uh, media that comes out of Asia itself right. versus, like – Western countries mm. producing it. Yeah. Like, I added in low Power Rangers and High Five. Because, oh, <laughs> yeah, the Asian chicken High Five. Yeah, Kathleen. Kathleen. Yeah, she like, was my favorite. She was my favorite. Yeah. And I, like, now I just want to, like, is it because she was Asian? But like, yes, it is. Like, yeah. honestly, for me, I realized that all I gravitated towards was the only Asian in every single TV show. Yeah, even in Power Rangers, there was that the one pink, Asian guy. Was no, sorry. I, no, didn't, he I, was, didn't, I didn't watch Power Rangers. He was blue, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. guys, Flora from Wings Club, is she Asian? Oh, yeah. I mean, she got black hair, right? <laughs> yeah, she had, like, literally in, in cartoons when they... Okay, this is probably problematic, but they, when the Asians, you can tell because they've got black hair and, like, squinty eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, anyways. That's, that's, actual, that's an actual thing. Like, um, they... When I was going through like research yeah. for this, they call it like subtle Asian coding or something oh. like that. So like obviously making Asians look different right. through specific features yeah. such as eyes, skin tone, yeah. color of their hair. Yeah, I yeah. always identified with those characters. Yeah, subconsciously I think I did as yeah. well. Yeah, American Dragon, Jake Long. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't really watch that much when I grew up, but yeah, yeah, crazy. Um, what about like in music? Did you consume any like Asian? Music? I actually don't think I did, to be honest. Like, yeah. Other than listening to like Gong Shi Gong Shi, you know, <laughs> yeah. like Asian parent music. Yeah. I never really, to be honest, listened to a lot of Asian music. I realized when growing up, all my music was Western. Oh, like, that's, being, yeah. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I actually don't think I listened to any Asian music yeah. except like OSTs or like soundtracks or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to heaps of Korean music. Growing up, I loved 2PM. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, but even the Korean music landscape itself has mm-hmm. changed so much, you know, with B- BTS. I was going to say BST, lol. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. The armies are coming. <laughs> sorry, army fans. Yeah. But, like, yeah, with BTS and Blackpink taking off, they're even bigger globally than in their own country. Yes. You know what I mean? That's insane. Yeah. Um, But I remember, like, Chinese music, like Fahrenheit, oh, SHE. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to the music, but I never thought about like their, I don't know their presence in in the industry. Yeah, like, I it was just like, something I grew up with. It's yeah, weird. yeah. It's interesting because like all the stuff that we consumed is like, like you said, coming from Asia. If that makes yeah. sense, there wasn't a lot of Asian music coming from Western countries. Yeah, like not like Eighty Eight Rising, which is a big no, deal right yeah. now, which is like an Asian focused. Yeah, like the closest label. we got was like Dami Im. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> But even that's yeah. considered more recent, yeah. you know. But I also think about movies, right? When I was trying to come up with this list, I was like, Jackie Chan, Lucy Liu. Like, yeah, I don't know. Those were the movies. only two people I can remember seeing consistently yeah. as Asian actors yeah. in Hollywood movies. Yeah. Yeah. And then Disney, just Mulan. Mulan. Literally. Just Mulan. Pretty shocking. Yeah, just Mulan. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Yeah. But also... I 
kind of had a look at like how are these like Asian characters in movies generally represented in that context. Um, I actually came across something really interesting. It's like a Harvard school paper. It's titled Media Matters, Why Asian American Representation in Media is a Social Justice Issue. So this was released last year in May by Michelle K. Sugihara and Jess Ju. So this is a paper that observes like Asian American representation in media. And in particular, they look at the stories and the narratives told through media. So they're kind of um, highlighting that, you know, the stories and narratives that are told now, they need to have more like breadth and depth and they need to include nuances of like what our multi-ethnic and like communities go through and the experiences within that rather than just being like, you know, the typical refugee story or the typical roles of being the model minority. Yeah, like we are multifaceted, but we only really get a couple of certain representation in the media. Yeah. And because there's no other options for us, we almost have to relate. Like we have to try to resonate with that one one character. Yeah, like it's a very siloed experience, yeah. but because that's what we can access, yeah. that's what we try and relate ourselves yeah, to. Yeah, like Hi-Fi, for example, I definitely, Kathleen was my favourite because she was Asian, not because of any of the activities she did. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. And now that we're adults, like reflecting back on it, you're like, wow. Um, but what I thought was great about this paper is it dives into like the different types of roles that people play in movies and how it leads to real world implications. So not limited to movies, but generally you see this in movies. Um, and it made me like reflect on all the movies that I've watched. So the first is like the model minority. So portraying Asians, generally like East Asian and South Asians as studious, educated, successful and smart and hardworking, which we can relate to, right? Yes. hundred yeah. percent can relate to it. I can actually imagine this in movies. Like, you know, those teen movies, there's always the Asian carrying books with glasses <laughs> yeah. and a backpack on and exactly. they're by the locker. <laughs> <laughs> or like they're the nerd or yeah. they play like, oh, like I'm, I'm helping my friend like decode something. Yeah, I'm hacking the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like they're really good at math. Yeah. Yeah. So this paper showed that this has led to the misguided belief that Asians are hardworking, mm. but they're not charismatic or effective leaders. I'm actually thinking now in those teen movies, I only ever see Asians in math club. You know when there were <laughs> scenes where they're like doing yeah. the math club or whatever? What is it? The decathlon? I don't know. What, is that what, right? What's a decathlon? No, <laughs> decathlon's a shop. <laughs> but isn't it fascinating that like that's led people to think that in like jobs or in careers, Asians are known for being really hardworking, mm-hmm. but they're not seen as potential for more leadership. like leadership roles. Yes. Yeah. Which I think, um, I, I guess it's like less so now because we're seeing more like Asians in leadership in like the industries yeah. that we work in. But yeah, it's like they're seen as quiet hard workers. So they don't have the charisma or extrovertism. <laughs> That's not a yeah. word to be a leader. They're like they're more submissive, right? Yeah. Yeah which is what they're seeing, but also because the Western definition of leader, being a leader is linked to being extroverted, charismatic, mm. why not? But that's not, you know, very accurate yeah, or reflective of what it is, should be. Yeah. Mm. The other role that you often see is like the perpetual foreigner. So this is like the foreign, exotic, un-American um, character who often has an accent or might not be able to understand English. 
And no, I hate that. Sometimes I know it's it's like it was really frustrating yeah. reading this. Yeah. But often they're attached to like more barbaric practices, such as like eating cats and oh my dogs. God. Yeah. So in this case, like the implication of that is like we in real life are mocked or singled out for being like othered or having a really different, I guess, like background or mm, traditions that yeah. we believe in. People kind of look at it as like, oh, what is that? So exotic or so yeah. foreign, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's good that I don't feel like I see this type of archetype that much. Ever. Now. You know, yeah. I don't really, can't really remember a prominent example of when an Asian has been portrayed this way in recent times. Yeah. But if you watch, um, I was watching a YouTube video that summarizes movies where yeah. these roles are very prominent. It's obviously movies that are actually before our time. Yeah. So more so in the 1960s. And it's like insane when you oh see the actual representation of it in movies because it was actually very very real oh and interestingly you know when white foreigners are portrayed in asian films it's like almost the opposite like they're looked up to they're like rich they're like all this i think it's just yeah interesting like in tvb dramas there was always that one white token white guy and he would speak chinese yeah he was always um he played like a business character yeah i can imagine in a white suit or something Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 oh that's pretty crazy yeah um, the third one was like hypersexualization of Asian American women. So they're often seen like in provocative clothing or there's some level of nudity as well. Like nightclub scenes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also thought about like memoirs of a geisha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Um, so they're portrayed like or they're ob- objectified on screen. So they're perceived again as like exotic. Um and I think this influences how, like, Asian women are fetishized. Yeah, yeah, in real life. So, you know, the whole thing about, like, yellow fever as yes. well, yeah. I think, plays into this um, and is influenced by this type of role. The last one was um, on the opposite side, so the emasculation of Asian men. So on the other end, Asian men are often emasculated and humiliated, and this was the result of, like, the initial wave of the Asian immigration where... Asian men were often limited to domestic work. So work that was traditionally done by women, such as nannying, cooking, laundry. Mm. I didn't, like, this wasn't something new for me, um, obviously because it's, like, very Asian-American focus. But this led to the perception of Asian men as unattractive and sexually undesirable. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, and I guess, like, the type of people they cast in those movies, they don't, they're like a specific body type as well. Potentially. Yeah, like really skinny, yeah. scrawny. Yeah. yeah, like they don't have presence compared to maybe their white counterparts. There's also one that's not on here that I find that I've been reading about is like the stereotype of that if an Asian is casted for a bigger role, it's the Kung Fu role. Oh, yeah. Like they're there to do martial arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a really good book called Interior Chinatown that kind of like is a satire on – um, Hollywood, Asian representation in Hollywood that I've read recently. And it's about this guy who's an actor and him trying to move up from like an extra to become Kung Fu guy, which is like apparently the highest level of acting he could get to. And it's like a satire on yeah. the whole, yeah, like Asians in Hollywood and how they're only pigeonholed into being good at Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about that, I just thought about how, um, in movies, sometimes when you see like a ninja character, oh, yeah, it's always like almost guaranteed to be someone Asian, yeah, right. And then if they're not Asian, it comes. It's also weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's just really weird. Yeah, yeah. 
it's it's a strange tension point because like what you were saying before about like when we subvert it the white person in a tvb show like how do we respond to that Mm. like i've never really thought about that until now no you know um but i honestly think that reflecting on all those different roles like you said i'm actually glad that we don't see this as often anymore um particularly in the movies or the shows that have come up come out more recently on netflix uh marvel and whatnot like we're seeing asians be stronger leads yes or Asian women taking, like, one of the main lead roles Mm -hmm. as well. So I feel like all of that came out of, like, you know, the AAPI movement as well. Like, there's a stronger push for it now. So I think the the landscape is changing, but we'll get into the detail of that later. Yeah, and to say, like, this is very American, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think Australia is still kind of catching up. Yeah. Like, even when I was trying to think of, like, Australian movies or um, TV shows where there's, like, a strong Asian representation – are, are there Asians in Neighbours or Home and Away? I literally just thought about that. I yeah. thought about, um, do you remember, what's his name, Jai? <laughs> Wait. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's his name? Oh, um. In Neighbours? Is he in Neighbours? I never watch Home and Away, so no, I know. You know, um, what's that dance show on ABC? Oh, Dance Academy. Yeah. Yes. Was, was his name Jai in that? No. I didn't watch it, but his name is like something Rod- Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like he was literally the only Asian character. And there was like, I think there was a, um. A mixed Asian guy in Blue Water High. Oh, <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, this is scratching this like what is the end of the barrel for like any representation in our Australian TV yeah. landscape growing up. Like, I don't remember any show where they had an Asian lead. Yeah, or a, not even an Asian lead. That's asking too much. Like an Asian like supporting character well like do- a dom- the dominance of like asians in those shows like they were always just like right. one out of five yeah or something I, yeah right? I, ju- I don't know yeah um how do you think that this impacted you growing up like being exposed to you know the youtubers that you listed before but also now hearing about the types of roles that are prominent yeah i think like um it's probably subconscious like i think i'd never really realized that mainstream media didn't have Asian representation until like growing up and then looking back and going what the hell yeah (laughs) like I think this one big moment for me was when I had a realization maybe like five years ago that when I was in primary school all my creative writing characters were white oh really like all the stories I wrote I always described blue eyes blonde hair characters Mm. in all the creative writing stories I wrote as a primary school kid. Like if you read back my old books, it was like, they were never Asian leads. And I don't know why. And I was like, it's because growing up, we were never exposed to books that had Asian leads as well. So the stories we wrote weren't Asian dominated, if that made sense. So I don't know. It was just interesting. And then I think how else it's affected me is like also feeling the pressures of that model minority stereotype. Because I feel like that's the most prominent. Um, obviously, I think the model minority stems from America, mm. but it also applies in terms of like Asian Australians being viewed as hardworking and reliable and obedient and rule rule followers. I felt the pressure like younger in my earlier twenties to be like, oh, this is probably what they think of me. That. I'm yep. like straight laced, perfect, <laughs> like, 
yeah, like to a sense, I'm very like yes, because I'm like an older child. Like yeah, I would have those characteristics, but that's that, there's more to me than like it's not because you're Asian. It's because it's, yeah, exactly. You're... There's my upbringing, who yeah. I am. It's not because I'm Asian that you can expect this from me. Yeah, but you think that like maybe other th- people tie all those attributes of you because I'm Asian. Asian. Yeah. So if I'm good at maths. In my head, I'm like, oh, they probably think it's because I'm Asian that I'm good at maths. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like <laughs> this vicious cycle of like identity crisis is like, do they really know me or do they just assume this? Yeah, are they just looking at my race? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like constantly looking, I think we said like in every media that I was looking at, looking for the one Asian that I can identify and support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in everything. But also holding my breath when I saw the Asian, the one Asian person in media, because I'm like, oh my God, how are they going to be represented? Are they going to be like with an accent? Are they going to start speaking and have an accent? Or are they going to be negatively represented in a cringeworthy manner? So I think being conscious of that as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. How about you? I agree with like all those points. That's kind of what crossed my mind as well. But um, as you were kind of talking through that, I was just thinking Oh, what did I watch recently? It was like a movie with an Asian family in royalty. Oh, oh my God. It was Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Bridgerton. And then, yeah. you know, my first thought when I saw that, I was like, Asians would never be in royalty positions. <laughs> <laughs> like, especially, say, in like the UK. Yeah. You know? And it was like, oh, they're just there because it's like. Yeah, but I guess Bridgerton was supposed to be well. like a modern remake of yeah. like, I mean, the Queen is black. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's the first thing that crossed my mind. And it was because I feel like now reflecting on this, it was because I was exposed to only things where Asians were the supporting mm-hmm. characters or they were never the lead in front. And so that's kind of like why I just responded to that. Yeah. Scenario it's like, like being that. shocked when you see Asians in front of screens or as the lead of anything. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that I didn't really reflect about all of this until, you know, we reached our 20s when you become more self-aware of your own identity and you start having the ability to compare yourself to, you know, people around you mm-hmm. or like what you're being exposed to. So, you know, media is a very big part of that as well. But also growing up, I think I was constantly seeking like comfort in the YouTube, oh like, yeah you know, trailblazers who were doing skits about being Asian. Yeah, so relatable. Yeah, exactly. And it's like what gave you something to talk about with your friends as well. Yeah. I think it's interesting because we couldn't find that comfort in mainstream media in terms of the shows we were watching on TV, what we saw in cinema, what we saw in movies. So our niche became YouTubers, K-pop, K-dramas, TVB, like Asian culture, I guess. Like we had to go to those streams because we weren't getting the, the representation on the mainstream. So we were going through Asian, like, produced stuff. Yeah, and it felt more realistically felt to relate to that. Yeah, it felt like home. Than a character that had been conjured up by, say, like, Western, yeah. Western media, Yeah, right? But also I think growing up I never really questioned or sought comfort in media, mainly because, like, we were surrounded by, you know, a lot of people who looked like mm-hmm. us, a lot of people who came from similar backgrounds to us in primary school and in high school. And so we didn't need to find that comfort elsewhere. Yeah. Because we knew 
you know, the people around us didn't make us feel like we were othered. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I feel very, very, very grateful that our formative years were spent with a majority Asian cohort, if that makes sense. Like we grew up in a place that was majority migrant families, majority like Southeast Asian. So then I felt like going to school, I never felt like an outsider, never felt judged for like loving Asian media. Yeah. Like watching K-dramas, watching Running Man, you know? Yeah. Like I never felt judged. But at work. safe. I would never oh, say that. I watch Korean Yes. <laughs> so, see, that's the difference. At work, when you're not the majority, you're the minority, it feels like it's almost something to be ashamed of. Yeah. Like when you say, oh, I like K-dramas, I like watching Terrace House, you know, things like that. It's almost like something you keep a secret, which yeah. is really sad. But with the rise of streaming services yeah. and Netflix now streaming more um content coming from like asia or with an asian focus i feel like i don't feel as uh afraid to mention oh i actually watch k-dramas or yeah. i watch terrace house it's almost cool now yeah to consume asian media which is interesting like it's almost cool to be like oh i watched this korean film the other day over the weekend yeah like people think you're like cultured you know what i mean (laughs) no but recently um one of my colleagues was like yeah i watched that like asian dating show singles inferno oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, the korean one and i i was like shocked because i was like wow how do you know about this yeah but it's because it's being promoted yeah you know and it's on netflix people have more exposure to it whereas before, like, we would need to kind of seek out yeah. Asian media. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had to go to, like, dodgy streaming Country sites. Roll? Country Roll. Yeah, Country Roll. <laughs> Country Roll. <laughs> and, like, drama something. I don't Asian. Drama Wiki. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, like, all those random ones with pop-ups and, like, things yeah. like that. Whereas now it's so accessible. It's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But on that, I think the media landscape itself or the Asian media landscape is changing over the past couple of years, especially with the rise of like, you know, anti-Asian hate crimes. Mm -hmm. I think um, Hollywood especially is making more of an effort to have um, like lead casts that are, sorry, I didn't say that well, but actors in the lead. Asian (laughs) leads? Asian leads. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. And um, I came across a Bloomberg article which mentions a study from the Coalition of Asian Pacifics Entertainment, so CAPE for short. And in this survey, it's called I'm Not a Fetish or Model Minority, colon, redefining what it means to be API in the entertainment industry. So this is also from last year. And essentially, they surveyed people who work as talent on screen, mm. but also people in roles off screen. And I actually didn't think about the roles off screen screen as well. So this includes like writers, producers, and essentially as a part of the survey, 90% of the respondents came back and said that they felt that representation in the media or Asian representation in the media is still inadequate on screen, but also behind the scenes. And on top of that, um, they did like another analysis with a different institute called Gina Davis Institute on gender and media. And it analyzed the top 100 grossing films from 2010 to 2019. Um, And then the 124 films from studios or streaming services from 2017 to 2020. So this is pretty recent, right? And they observed how many characters were of Asian American and Pacific Islander backgrounds. And 35% of those characters embodied the stereotype as martial artists Mm. or model minority. 
And these are really recent. Like, this is in the last decade or so. Yeah. And that was, like, pretty shocking because, like, you know, we have obviously consumed a lot more media in the last decade. And I don't know. I feel like I was just subconsciously, like, soaking it in but never really questioning it. Yeah. It's almost like you only expect to see those roles. Yeah. In movies, like, you don't expect to see anything else. Like, if an Asian's going to be in it, yeah, they could probably do martial arts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they're, like, playing the stunt role. Yeah. Right? Um, but on the flip side, like, behind the camera as well, so people who are writers, producers, and directors, um, 90% of them said that they're the only ones in the room. Mm. So there's maybe, like, only one in how many, mm-hmm. right? And 55% of those people said that they've faced blatant racism at yeah. work. So... It's not just what's happening on screen that's really important, but also what's happening off screen. Yeah. You can't write authentic narratives when you don't have people off screen that can represent those stories. Yeah. And if it's like 90%, if they're the only ones in the room, it's quite hard to change a, you know, embedded, I don't know, way of working. This makes me curious about um, the recent show that you you saw written by Michelle Law. Oh, yes. Top Coat. Yeah. 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 What was your experience of like um, going and seeing that? Because I obviously haven't seen it, but I feel like that's one of the few examples of like what it looks like to have an Asian writer yes. create an Asian narrative and it's authentic. That's right? uh, Yeah, I, Michelle Law is so good at what she does. I think I've seen her, for, I think it was her very first play called Single Asian Female, I want to say. And I recently saw Top Coat. And I just felt seen in a way that I've never felt seen before, if that makes sense. Because, like, she's Australian, Asian-Australian as well, talking about um, Top Coat was about a body swap kind of comedy type thing. So it was an Asian-Australian working in a nail salon. Like, she was – her goals were to, like, open up a new nail salon. And then there was a, like, a female white, like, executive working at a media company. Mm. And then they – somehow swapped bodies and it was like kind of a satire or like it was kind of like the experiences in each other's bodies and then the experiences of the white woman and then the experience of the Asian woman. It was very, very interesting and like very, how do I say it, like moving in terms of being able to see our narratives in a way that felt real. Mm. Like you can tell, like I didn't even realize, I didn't have to think about, oh, was this written by a white person? Or when diversity isn't done right, you feel it. Yeah. But when it's done right, you don't feel it. That's kind of how I felt about Bridgerton. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just like, this doesn't feel realistic to you me. You feel out of body, right? Yeah. Like you, as in you don't feel immersed in it. You just feel like you're like, hang on, like this doesn't yeah. feel right. Or You I just don't know. question the intention behind it or the source of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But then yeah. if you don't have to question it and you're just immersed in the story, in the narrative, then I feel like that's what it should be like yeah yeah it's a job well done right yeah yeah it's authentic it's genuine yeah it's coming from like yeah like a genuine place yeah i think when i heard about that i was like wow i didn't even know that there was a show going on right you know because it's not something that is on screen and it's not prominent it's media that's not being like delivered to you and like i feel like you only know about it because you've also followed michelle law for a long time right yeah but I think now what's interesting is the changing landscape, like the rise of Asian directors. So like Bong Joon-ho, um, Chloe Zhao as well, who mm-hmm. like the director who won 
I want to say she's won like some really prominent yeah, yeah, awards. Yeah. I don't know exactly which From ones. Moment Land. Yeah. But also Christina O oh mm-hmm. as well from Minari as well. And then like I'm seeing more Asians play leading roles. So Michelle Yeoh, she's I'm probably saying her last name wrong. I'm so sorry. But she's um, you know, she started off as being a really prominent character in Crazy Rich Asians, right? But now I'm seeing her play more lead roles in like everything everywhere all at once Such a good movie and she's also playing in i think the upcoming avatar movies or something or series yeah yeah when i was looking at her list on imdb like she's in a lot of movies coming up yeah um but also like but also like she's older now too right it's probably taken her all this time to finally right time now it's the right time for asians now or the time for asian representation in media like i'm sure she's gone through shit roles to get to where she is exactly yeah but there's also, I feel like growing up, like apart from like Jackie Chan and Lucy Liu, right? Mm-hmm. There was, um, do you remember the dad character in Mulan, the most recent remake, like the real, oh, I can't real life one? Oh wait, no, I can't remember. Sorry, but he always plays that character. Like he always, oh, he's always the dad. Yeah, yeah. Like that actor. Yeah. We only knew, like I only know of him because like he's yeah. always the one Asian. Yeah. In a lot of shows. Um, the male lead. The husband in everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't watched it yet. Oh my god, what? Yeah, I haven't had the time. Oh my god, you don't have to watch don't it. don't, don't spoil it, please. <laughs> okay, but anyways, he's the husband. So basically, this is his first comeback into acting for since he tried going to acting. I think how many years ago? He he's obviously an Asian actor, and he had no opportunities. Wow. Like he did one movie. I think it was like fact check me but he did like one or so movies and then really really struggled to find any work as Mm. an asian actor so he left acting and then because of the whole wave of asians in hollywood he decided maybe it's time for me to come back and he came back and then got this role and he's literally like a dad age now you know what i mean like it's so crazy that like times have changed after that yeah yeah similarly with like squid game yeah it's an Asian-produced movie, yes. right? Like, focus on um, being in Korea, yet a lot of people are consuming it beyond the Asian population. Mm-hmm. And it became such a movement that, like, I feel like everyone at work was talking about it. Yeah. And, like, merch was being produced <laughs> everywhere. Like, things like that, like, you, we're seeing this pop up even more and more, and it's kind of like, I think you just described it nicely, like, it's a wave, mm-hmm. and it's just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. But it's, it feels so empowering because people that I've followed for a long time, such as Gemma Chan as well, like seeing her have a lead role in Eternals, even though it wasn't a great movie, <laughs> like it's less or so about the movie, but the fact that she has so much screen time, yeah. you know, and she's playing a heroine as well in yeah. that movie. And it's so lovely to see, like we grew up with Wong Fu Productions and like anyone who's ever been in a Wong Fu Productions skit, I feel like now they're popping up. Like yeah. Simu, obviously, like yes. we knew him from Wong Fu Productions, and then now he's like literally a lead in a Marvel movie. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, like humble beginnings, for mm-hmm. real. And he was in Selling Sunset as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was um looking for a house, and then one of the agents was helping <laughs> so him look random. for a house. Yeah. yeah, like super weird. Yeah, but that in itself, it's like a win for us. Like I almost feel a sense of pride. Mm. Yeah, but even like. Um, one of my favorite movies from Aquafina, um, in The Farewell. Oh yes, yeah. Like I think just moments like that and the stories that they're telling, especially The Farewell. I was like, 
holy shit, like this feels so like cathartic in a way mm. because it's like things that we haven't grown up with, but it's almost like we're rediscovering, you know, our stories through the media that we consume. I have a th- just had a thought. Do you feel like because we had all these complex experiences growing up, but we never had ways to process it? Yeah. Like relationship with parents or like friendships or like the farewell relationship with your grandparents. Like it's so nuanced in terms of our experiences, but we never, like we never saw it in media. So there was never a way for us to like open a discussion about it or talk about these experiences. They were always just like private because we never saw it anywhere else outside of our internal lives. If that makes sense. Yeah. There was nothing to make us realize that, oh, actually other people are experiencing yeah. this too. Like it's not just a singular siloed experience. Yeah. So right? then does it now I'm just like, oh like, did I miss out on like, you know, like processing, you know what I mean? Like processing yeah. trauma and processing yeah. thing, like thinking about how I grew up, reflecting, because this is what media does, it makes you reflect, right? Mm. But we didn't have those opportunities. So it's almost like a thing that we missed out on. Yeah, no, 100%. I yeah. feel like that's what I meant by, like, yeah, all the things that we're now seeing, it's like, oh, all these things that I experienced were not just me, but, like, you can't be what you can't see. Yes. I think that quote plays into this as well. Yeah. It's like, yeah, everything that you thought you went through was a lonesome experience or you, like, suppressed it yeah. is now kind of bubbling up to the surface again. Yeah. 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 Um, There's also comedians, Asian comedians, <sighs> yes. making a big impact yeah they're coming like, up they're coming up like ronnie chang love him jimmy o yang ali wong like there's heaps of upcoming yeah. comedians also in the australian landscape as well yeah that's happening and aaron chen yes aaron well. chen in australia yeah 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 i actually saw him at an ice cream store i was too shy to say hi <laughs> hi aaron hi aaron <laughs> <laughs> how do you think like asian representation in general in the media impacts how people are perceived globally like Asians are perceived globally. Um, I think this is interesting because I think it's still we're still very early on in that kind of Asian representation in media. Honestly, I think like there's obviously heaps happening right now, but it feels like we haven't gone beyond this is an Asian movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think it's really, really important. Like all the movies that are happening now, it's like rallying the Asian community. But in terms of it permeating into being normal, mm. it's not there yet. Yeah, like it's when, starting. Yeah, it's yeah. starting. Like, but like when when does a movie come up, and when when do we go? When do people not go? Oh, it's an Asian movie. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like that's not the focus. Of yeah, it's it. not the focus. Not the... It's like it's just another another Marvel movie. There's another Marvel movie coming out. Not it's the Asian Marvel movie. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, I think that's why yeah. so many people were like, oh, I need to go watch Shang-Chi in the movies and support yes. it. Because it was a big Asian cast, yeah. but also it was filmed yeah. in Southwest There was Sydney like as well. so much at stake because I feel like we couldn't let it fail. Yeah. Yeah. And it was almost like, even if it was a bad movie. Like, we were still going to support it. Yeah. It would take a yeah. lot for us not to support yeah. it. Yeah. Like if they like represented the narrative yeah. completely incorrectly. Yeah. You know? I think that um, what I realized through this was that we have always been exposed to particular narratives as we saw from those like role descriptions, yeah. right? But it kind of led me to think like actually not all Asians are the same yes. and not all of our stories are the same. Like there are varied and diverse experiences, especially, you know, Asian uh, Americans versus Asian Australians. And 
I think the more representation that we get of these diverse experiences, the there's less pressure, I guess, on individuals to try and represent the whole Asian race. Mm-hmm. So, like, one character to represent the entirety yeah, of, like... Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, like, we're multifaceted just, like, you know, westernized countries are as well. So I think it's, like, the fact that we need to kind of celebrate the fact that there are more stories that we need to tell. Yeah, people are so different. Like, not, yeah, like you said, like, Asians are so different from each other. And, like, mm. I wish there was more that we could relate to as Asian Australians. Like, yeah. sometimes I'm, like, the only thing I can at the moment there's only like asian american stuff but you we can't fully relate to the asian american experience yeah yeah but it's the media that we have at the uh, easily accessible accessible. at the moment Yeah. yeah 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 i think on the flip side like thinking about how asian representation impacts us as individuals like i think that it kind of drives me to think about why do i think this way or why do I act this way or why do I feel this way or like having I guess more confidence in myself to try and like connect with others based on my Asian culture and being proud of it and it feels like it's easier to do that when it's on screen but also like allowing people of non-Asian backgrounds to be more curious about us but also like want to know more about what our culture is like yeah. as well. Yeah, I think you know? it's normalizing our rituals, our culture, seeing it on the big screen. So when we're doing something that's maybe related to our Chinese culture, people aren't looking at us and going, why are you doing that? That's so weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it relates to what I was saying earlier about like you can't be what you can't see. So if you don't have examples of, you know, the types of dreams that you can attain or the types of um, like role models that you can like follow – your capability is like limited in terms of like what you think that you can do and what needs to continue happening to continue like challenging the landscape that we're building now is I think there needs to be more like diverse stories of more like different Asian experiences. So not just limited to stories about what it's like being a refugee or the trauma attached to that or like arranged marriages. And I'm sure there's so many other different themes, but also like intersectional stories so mm. like you know people grappling with their identity um lgbtq plus space disability um and then like stories that subvert stereotypes so i think we see this a lot more now on netflix by like coming of age stories yeah. so seeing that in like to all the boys i loved yeah. the but- half of it is really good oh yeah that the one too i've watched that really, really yeah, yeah yeah um and what's the other one i watched recently never have i ever as well yes. yeah, yeah. So that and having, like, more than just obviously one Asian actor in the main cast and also with, like, a focus on issues or their personal issues are not because of them being Asian. Them being Asian. Yeah, they're just yeah. human. They're just yeah. having human issues, not Asian issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then in terms of, like, what can we do personally, I guess we can start having putting a more conscious effort into supporting Asian representation in media, particularly for us, I guess, maybe in the Asian Australian space, which I think is, you know, still tiny. Yeah, very, very small. <laughs> compared, to, compared to the Asian American space. Um, let's start with, like, who are your favourites to follow? Uh, so I follow, like, a mix of, like, actors, um, musicians and, like, 
podcasters and also YouTubers as well. So one from each um, category. So Gemma Chan is one of my favorites. Um, Nikki, who is an 88 rising musician. I'm sure a lot of people know her. She's of an Indonesian background. Um, the Asian boss girls are my favorite, like Helen, Janet and Melody, mainly because they're all in different life stages and they're so transparent about sharing their experiences. And I feel like they're really the trio that kicked off like Asians in the podcasting world. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. I really agree. Yeah. They were the first people that I was exposed to who started talking about like what it's like to be an Asian woman, um, in America. I agree. Yeah. And I think it was the first time where I saw a podcast that I could be like, oh my God, relate to. And then it kind of made us think, what's the Australian version of that? Yeah. Our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I linked it to you as well when I started listening to them. Like I have a vivid memory of that. Yeah. And then lastly, one of my favorite YouTubers, Sophia Chang. I feel like she's also really real about her experiences um, living in LA as well as a influencer. Um, How about you? For me, I kind of focused all mine on the Australian space. So Michelle Law, obviously we talked about her, her brother, Benjamin Law. Like the Law family are so talented. Like they've mm. got Tammy Law, who's a photographer, but like Benjamin Law has a, I want to say SBS show, ABC, SBS, sorry guys. about It's called The Family Law, about an experience of a Chinese-Australian like family mm. living in Brisbane. And like it's loosely based off their lives. So I would recommend watching that. So I love anything that, you know, Michelle Bull or Benjamin Law does. Obviously, Natalie Tran, um, Community Channel, like, she's been so fundamental in terms of, like, our upbringing, but also now transitioning into more of, like, the media space. I think she's very, like, vocal in terms of her her thoughts about um, Asian representation, but also maintaining that comedic side of her, which is amazing. Mm. And then last thing I put... Melissa Leong oh, yeah, from MasterChef. Like, yeah. I feel like her, them bringing her onto MasterChef has been, like, so good for the show. Mm. Like, in terms of representing diverse cultures, diverse foods in MasterChef, like, it's been so nice to see an Asian woman be a judge and really understand the nuances of the food that she's eating. Yeah. And not going, ooh, yum, Asian flavours. Like, yeah. For her, it generally, like, evokes emotions of, like, growing up in Singapore and, like, her parents and stuff like that. So, and she's been very vocal in calling out like racism and like um bad representation and stuff like that as well yeah and she tells her narrative or like her thoughts obviously because she's a like a food critic writer right she the way that she expresses herself on the show i feel like it's so different than having like an asian contestant Mm. you know because it's like opinion based and it that just gives it so much more power she's so like I don't know, like, I want to say proud of her culture and she's not afraid to show up for her culture, if that makes mm, sense. Yeah. yeah. But she doesn't do it in a way that's, like, abrasive no. or anything like yeah. that. Very tasteful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you going through your list made me realise that I follow a lot of people who are based in, like, the US or the UK. And I was trying to think of, like, do I follow any Asian-Australian people in the media? And I don't think so. Like, I would have to go through my following like list again but i feel like it's so hard to even think of anyone or anyone that comes to mind straight away yeah Yeah. there's like a lot of i guess micro influencers Mm. that we follow i don't like food bloggers and stuff like that but there's like a handful of influencers i guess yeah asian australia but they're not as big as asian american yeah yeah i think apart from following 
consuming more media that has like a diverse representation of Asians um, is really important, not only like globally, but like locally as well. And I think recently, like we both realized, or I came across an article, I forget which, I think it was on broadsheet or something. Um, There's a new show called Here Out West and it was um, casted on ABC. I'm yet to watch it, but like, you know, making that more of a goal to like watch or mm-hmm. consume that type of media. Yeah. And, but it's the thing that was stuck out for me that is it was based in um, Southwest Sydney and also has local actors as well yes. from an Asian Australian background. Yeah. Yeah. So I think consuming that type of media, but also like, you know, you going to top coat. Yes. Um, and like you mentioned, like the family law and stuff. I found it really hard to think about like musicians, like Asian Australian musicians. I don't know any to dummy him again. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. mean, there must be some. I just don't know. Yeah. My assumption is like it feels like it's so hard to just make it in That's true in Australian, Australian music, music in general. Yeah. 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 When even in the media. Guy Sebastian was the last one to make it big here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he made it to Eurovision, right? Yeah. And apparently like people are really obsessed with like Kylie Minogue overseas. Oh yeah, overseas in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like crazy. But um yeah, I think going trying to go through the list, like I was just like shocked, I guess, because I couldn't think yeah. of people. But there must be like, I guess, local rappers, artists and stuff like that kind of doing more like local stuff, but mm-hmm. hasn't yet popped off yet. Yeah. Do you follow any Asian Australian influences? Um, this was actually harder to find, obviously, than American mm. influences. But yeah, there are a couple of few that I follow. I the OG Jessica Tran. She's she lives in New York now, but she started out as a blogger. I think she lived in Yonora or something like that. Um, you know Margaret Zhang, Nicole Wan. Like, there's just not that many, to be honest. Mm. When I was thinking about it, I was just calling out like names such as like Tara Milk Tea, Annie Nguyen from Annie's Bucket List. And like Yan Yan Chan, they're yeah. all in the fashion space. Yes, they're all in the fashion you know? space. I can't really think of anyone in the media space that I follow. Yeah. That is Asian Australian. Yeah. But there, I know there definitely is, you know, prominent people in that space, but I guess we didn't grow up with that. So we're not as exposed to that compared mm-hmm. to other like people that we've listed. I think maybe it's not as mainstream. Yeah. And it's still like kind of showing that there's so much. Like, Australia still has a very, very, very long way to go, like, considering how it is difficult for us. Mm. And I think we're still lagging behind in terms of representation. There's actually, like, an article here from SBS that we can link later saying how Asian-Australian actors are actually finding more success in America. So because they're not finding able to find roles for them in Australia or roles that are not, like, minor or stereotypical roles. So they're actually moving to America because it's the time, like, America is actually open to it now and there's mm. actually more roles for them and they're actually succeeding and making it big over yeah. there. So it's interesting that Australia hasn't gotten there yet, but it is happening slowly. Yeah. Yeah. But as always, like, Australia is so far behind in everything that we do. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I definitely want to see more um, Asian-Australian experiences on the big screen and, like, kind of on the mainstream. Like, one that I would recommend is Ronnie Chang international student mm-hmm. like, that is so funny like, <laughs> I think it's such a great example of like um a relatable show to Asian Australians like the nuances like Ronnie Chang as a international student in Australia like it's so funny like I would recommend it I would love to mm. see more shows like that more media yeah yeah because like that. yeah. that's another type of experience right being an international yeah. student 
Yeah. Whereas I feel like, yeah, everything that we've seen has been, or everything that we've grown up with has been a very specific role type um, or story that's being told. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also want to talk about Asian representation, Asian Australian representation in reality TV shows. Because I feel like actually when I think about what the Australian influencer space looks like, they're all just people from TV. Yeah, reality TV. Yeah, like once we, you get on a show, yeah, you make it yeah, right. Yeah, once you're in The Bachelor, you're probably going to be like, you'll have a podcast, you'll have a radio show, you'll have a fashion line. So true. But we've never really seen diversity in those – or Asians in those spaces. Like I think Brooke Blurden being like the first Indigenous woman on The Bachelorette like was amazing, but I would love to see more. Yeah. Yeah, and in the Asian space as well. Yeah, yeah. there's always that one Asian – who well, two? So like bad? one South, yeah, one Southeast Asian, yeah. right, being casted, and you're just like they, you never see them get screen time as no, well, and they look so lame. Like yeah. I, I don't know why, but it's like they're just not portrayed in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. and you know that all of that is editing. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if it's like the editors themselves or the people who are working behind the scenes don't understand how to portray them in oh, the right light. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, because yeah. I guess the people behind those shows, they're yeah. really not Asian. Also, how about like Married at First Sight, the um, I don't watch Selena. Selena? She was, I think she was Cambodian-Australian mm. and she got partnered with a white guy. I think I saw this in the media. Yeah. yeah. And he basically said that she wasn't his typical type. And then she straight out asked, like, is it because I'm Asian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just said yes. I don't know. It was just so awkward. Yeah. Why does the one Asian that comes on the show, like, why is there controversy over her race? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the center of it, Yeah, right? that's, 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 what, that's her storyline. Yeah. Her storyline is because she's Asian, so she's not attractive. Yeah. <sighs> Frustration. <laughs> yeah, but... On the plus side, MasterChef has been doing really well in representation in recent times. Mm. I would say, like, ever since they brought on the new judges, I think it's been such a lovely show in showcasing the food scene in Australia in a very unique way. Yeah. Like, Indian culture, Chinese culture, Vietnamese culture, like, we're getting a lot of that come through in MasterChef. And it's so, like, wholesome and, like, emotional. And, like, I feel like, oh, my God, people are from Karamata. They're cooking meals that are making judges cry. Like, it's just so lovely to see. Yeah. Yeah. But the premise on what that's built on, it's built around food, which mm. is so important to every culture, you know. So I feel like it's different compared to a reality TV show about love. Yeah. I feel like like we're, Asians are casted as a means to meet a quota in that's that true. sense. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Asians in food, that makes sense to people. Like, they're yeah. like oh, yeah, Asian food, that makes sense. Yeah. Asian in love, what is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or no, Asians in what other reality TV shows? Asian on, like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, like, what that's shown me personally, like, doing this, I personally felt like, wow, there's a lot for me to learn and unlearn as well. Mm. There's a lot for me to grow my, like, self-awareness about um, and what I need to, like, consciously do in order to get better at supporting like Asian Australians or Asian Americans in the media. Yeah. Um, but I think like my hopes for the future is like, we've talked a lot about Asian American representation today in the media, because that's what's really prominent. Obviously Australia is behind, but what I would really love to do um, on our podcast in sometime in the near future is like talk to someone who either like works in the media or is exposed to it and get their perspective on what it's like being in the industry because I think that would provide 
whole lot more insight than what we've like started to talk about today. Yeah. If you have any, you know, people that we can talk to in this industry or someone who can offer that kind of perspective, like um, I think it'd be really great to yeah, get them on the potty. Well, that's a wrap. Now let's jump into our dinner table questions. Sweet. So the first question is, what is your go-to meal to cook for guests? I'm not a great cook. Let me preface with that. I don't cook either. <laughs> so this question is not for us. <laughs> but I wrote this question. <laughs> um, I think I would cook like uh, something Italian because it's always easy mm. to get that right, I think. Um, but you know when we were kids, we used to make pasta bake and tuna bake and potato oh, bake yes. so much. Oh, yes. Anything bake. Yeah. I feel like I'd do that. Or a charcuterie board. Just not cooking. <laughs> <laughs> That's curating, okay? Okay. Culinary curation. <laughs> love it, love it. How about you? Um, I'll probably make a dessert or something. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like a caramel slice. I don't know. Ooh, a tart, slice. something like Ooh. that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What's your alcoholic drink of choice? I don't actually have one. I was actually saying, thinking about the other day how everyone has like a fancy drink they order at the bar, the bar or whatever. Mm. I don't really have a fancy cocktail order. I'll go for a cider. Oh, yeah. But if I want something else. I'm like, a, like, like a spirit based. I, I'm a big fan of spritz. Oh, yes. So anything spritz. Aperol spritz. Aperol spritz. Anything spritz. You yeah. know, like, I feel like Aperol spritz is so, it's so deceiving because it looks so yummy. Oh, but it's bitter. Yeah, but it's bitter. Yeah. That's what I don't like yeah. about it. And a G&T, obviously. Oh, yeah. That was going to be my- <laughs> I, I love so. it. I love a good G&T. Yeah. And I love the ones that are el- that's got elderflower mixed into it. You know how, like, sometimes you yeah. can get cocktails and it's, like, gin-based? Yeah. Yeah. I love I've, elderflower. I've been also, like, craving wines a lot these days. Oh. Am I getting old? You're fancy. <laughs> you fancy? I just want wine. A glass of wine. You know what I realised at Mary's wedding? Um, our friend's wedding was that because they had wines right yeah. and i had to go to the wine tasting i was like wow i really like white wine oh well yeah <laughs> and then you start liking red wine and then you're like, you're like oh my god am i old so now i'm like yeah i'm more of a white type <laughs> of person yeah that's what i used to say but then i'm kind of like i like reds now mm, yeah. yeah i think old being age. old yeah old age okay the last thing what is something you're known for well if i'm thinking amongst like my friends like wearing beige and all white. <laughs> I think we all wear white all the time. Yeah. But I feel like beige is very, mm, very much yeah, my thing. Like yeah. my color palette is very, very obvious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people look at like things or clothes and they're like, oh, that's so you. Yeah. You're also known for like injuring yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the other part that I don't want to be known yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. How about you? My laugh. I knew you were going to say I don't know what else. My laugh. My seal laugh. Catch it in the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, when it's something really hilarious. Oh, not my – more than my laugh. Like, my loudness. Yeah, like talking Yeah, like talking. I talk really loud. I don't know why. I was just thinking about your Instagram story from last night. Yeah. Yeah. I always people always like I heard you from the other room I heard you from down the corner I heard you from the above level like everyone shut up (laughs) it's funny because my mom has said the same thing about yeah I'm always so loud yeah yeah Yeah. but I think your family's just loud like your dad is loud yeah I think my family's loud and being part of a big family you kind of get you gotta talk loud you gotta talk loud as what you're not heard (laughs) just to be sad (laughs) Otherwise, you're not heard. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Anyways. 
So that's the end of our episode. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, I really loved actually talking about this topic. I think it made us realize a lot of things about our knowledge about Asian representation in the media. We learned a lot. Like it's not a topic that we both really like delved into, mm. but it's a nice kind of like scratch on the surface of thinking about Asian Australian representation in media. So mm. definitely something we want to learn more about. So please drop us a DM or a comment if you have any builds or any recommendations for us. We would love to hear it. Um, thank you again for listening. And until next time. Bye. Bye.